Bonjour and welcome to the Good Life France podcast, everything you want to know about France and more. I'm Janine Marsh, I'm an author and travel writer and I was born in London, UK, but I now live in a little village in the far north of France where there are no shops or bars, just 152 people and a thousand cows. I travel all over France taking photos and writing about my discoveries for the Good Life France magazine, which is totally free to read by the way. You can find it at magazine.thegoodlifefrance.com and website thegoodlifefrance.com. In fact, I just got back from the Ariège region where I went to visit the fairy tale pretty Chateau de Goudain. It really is the most incredible castle, like walking into a real life Sleeping Beauty scene. And it's in a really quite secret part of France that's brimming with medieval villages and glorious alpine scenery. And next week, I'm off to Paris and Fontainebleau. And I have to say, I do have to pinch myself most days at how lucky I am to see all these marvelous places. Indeed. And meanwhile, I am in the UK, drooling at your pictures and articles, Janine, and uh, wondering why <laughs> I moved away from France sometimes. Bonjour. I'm Oli, short for Olivier. I was born in the west of France, in Vendée, but now I live in Berkshire, west of London. So that makes me uh, a Franklish. And you, Janine, you may not know, but you are an English. <laughs> English, c'est moi. Yes. I visit France uh, often, though, and I am a huge, huge fan of uh, vintage French music, which I play on, uh, on my radio station, Paris Chanson. Details coming up at the end of this episode. We absolutely love chatting to you about France. And if you have any questions, history, culture, destinations, language, anything really, just feel free to ask us. You can send your questions to Janine at Janine at thegoodlifefrance.com. Janine at thegoodlifefrance.com. Now, let's get to the nitty gritty of this podcast. Janine, can you tell us what's on the agenda for today? Well, as you said, we're always happy to answer questions. And this is a question that comes up over and over again. What should I see in Paris? And it's a really good one because there is just so much to see and fall in love with. I am a true Paris fan myself. So in this episode, we're going to be talking about the A to Z of Paris. The Good Life France podcast. Everything you want to know about France and more with Janine Marsh and Olivier Geoffrey. I think everyone remembers their first Paris visit. To me, it was at 17 to see my uh, Parisian girlfriend at the time, whom I met in uh, my hometown in Vendée as she was on holiday there with her parents. Typical Parisian, really. I remember feeling overwhelmed by the size of Paris and being surprised by how many people were on the streets, in the shops and uh, everywhere, really, and how young those people were compared to my hometowns, where it's a bit more quiet. At first, uh, Paris feels big and very crowded, but then you get a different perspective and realize that it is quite small compared to London or uh, New York City. Also, Paris can easily feel complicated as a town, but then you learn how to get uh, kind of around this, focusing on public transport, outside strike days, obviously, and cycling routes, for instance. There's so much to do and see is probably what you uh, will scream out loud at the end of your first day in Paris. But that's okay. You have time. Paris is not going away anytime soon. Oh, I think at the end of my first visit, I was like, there's so much to eat <laughs> that, that <laughs> I love. But it's I was 14 years old and I went on a school exchange trip. I stayed with a family in uh, Paris suburbs, a place called Antony. And I went to school there. Dominique, if you're listening to this, shout out to you. She was my exchange pal. By the time I came home, I was absolutely besotted with French cakes, the Eiffel Tower and hot chocolate drunk out of a bowl, not a cup. 
but there is much more to Paris. So let's get going and talk about the City of Light. The American founding father and total Paris fan, Thomas Jefferson, once said, a walk about Paris will provide lessons in history, beauty, and in the point of life. So let's get going with the point of life in Paris. And first up is the A to Z of Paris, arrondissement, which means municipal district. It kind of describes the different districts of Paris. Sometimes they're called quartier quarters. So a bit of history first. In 1795, Paris was divided into 12 arrondissements. One to nine were on the right bank and 10 to 12 were on the left bank. And then during the reconstruction of Paris in the mid-1800s, which was commissioned by the Emperor Napoleon III, who was the son of one of Napoleon Bonaparte's brothers, and it was overseen by a man called Baron Ausman, they added eight more districts. I mean, the whole point of this renovation was they got rid of quite a lot of the medieval buildings, which were, you know, really run down and not fit for habitation, really. So they completely redrew the city's map and it took the form of what looks like a snail shell, an escargot. It starts with the first arrondissement, which is in the Ile de la Cité in the centre, and then it ends with the 20th arrondissement at the eastern boundary. Here's a fun fact. Napoleon III held position of emperor for 18 years until he was exiled. And then he ended up in the village of Chislehurst, a tiny little village in southern England, a sort of a suburb of London, not too far from London, but it was in the countryside. And he lived out the rest of his life there. And when I used to live in the UK, I used to live just down the road from there. Not at the same time, of course. I'm not that old. <laughs> That's a lovely fact, though. Fascinating, isn't it? <laughs> it is. So A is for arrondissement, as you said. B is for bookinist. These are the second-hand booksellers whose dark green book boxes sit on walls along the River Seine. You know them, of course. There are 900 of those green boxes in the heart of Paris, filled with more than 200,000 books, souvenirs and posters, and their construction is strictly controlled. 2 meters long, 0.75 meters wide. Higher at the front to allow customers to look in, shorter at the back where they hang over the river Seine. Second-hand booksellers have been selling here for more than 500 years and the boxes are now UNESCO listed, yes. It's a three kilometer long cultural and human journey grand total. And last year, the city of Paris launched a call for applications to uh, allocate vacant booksellers locations. Maybe uh, they'll do it again one day. God, what a job that would be. I'd love to have a second-hand bookstore there. I mean, there's nothing like strolling along the Seine and you're know, looking at the books and the boats are going past. It's just it's something so cultural and ancient about it. Someone once said that the Seine is the only river in the world that runs between two bookshelves. I think that's brilliant. But we are now up to sea. So C for me is Champs-Élysées, which means Elysian Fields in French, the final resting place of the gods in Greek mythology. Where the swanky Champs-Élysées now is, you know, with all its posh shops, very expensive shops, a lot of them, was originally fields. In 1616, Marie de Medici, the wife of King Henry IV, cleared most of the fields so that she could extend the garden of the Tuileries Palace. Now, that no longer exists, sadly. It was burned down during the French Revolution. But she had all these fields cleared to turn it into a garden. But over time, people started setting up shops and creating roads. And now it is a shopping street entirely full of cafes, bars and expensive shops. And D is for Denis, as in Basilic Saint-Denis in the north of Paris. So we are a bit outside the centre of Paris. 
the body of the first bishop of Paris and uh, patron saint of France, Saint-Denis, was interred here in 250 AD. His grave became a shrine and pilgrimage center, and the basilic became one of the most important sites of pilgrimage in France. The tombs of 75 kings and queens and 63 princes and princesses are here. It contains some incredible funerary sculptures, many of them depicting the royal likenesses dating from the 12th to the 16th centuries. It was normal practice from the beginning of the 14th century to divide dead French kings into three parts. A bit gruesome, but uh, the thinking was that each part could rest in a different part of the country. Three places to encourage people to pay homage, plus uh, protection against uh, desecration in troubled times as well. This is just what happened at uh, Saint-Denis during the French Revolution. Coffins were destroyed and remains were scattered, including those of the Sun King, Le Roi Soleil, Louis XIV. That's how it was in those days. So, E. E is for Eiffel Tower, or Eiffel Tower, as we say in English, which is on the Champ de Mars, the field of the god of Mars. Gustave Eiffel designed the tower as a temporary construction for the 1889 Universal Exposition in Paris. It took two years, two months and five days to build. The tower has 18,038 metal parts, two and a half million rivets, 7,300 tonnes of iron and is covered by 60 tonnes of paint. And here is a little known fact. In 1925, a con man tried to sell the Eiffel Tower. His name was Victor Lustig, and he was from what is now the Czech Republic. And he was a scam artist. And he came up with this idea that he could sell the Eiffel Tower for salvage. I mean, all that iron worth a fortune. So he contacted five salvage companies in Paris and he took them out to lunch at a very posh restaurant and he hired like a limousine style carriage to drive them to the tower and take a look. He even managed to get one of the managers to give him some cash, obviously a bribe, to make sure that they won the bid to dismantle the tower. Eventually, he got rumbled and he escaped to the United States where there he got up to his usual shenanigans and eventually they did catch up with him for something or other. And he was sent to Alcatraz, you know, the, the prison. And it's said that he even managed to con fellow prisoner Al Capone. Wow. I know. What a character. <laughs> An F <laughs> is for um, the Fragonard Perfume Museum. It's free to enter and full of fascinating historic fragrance facts and is also in a beautiful 19th century mansion. It's very easy to find. It's a two-minute walk, literally, from Opéra Garnier. Being there, it's really lovely. Smells beautiful and it's fascinating as well. G is for Guimard. Hector Guimard created some of the most beautiful Art Nouveau entrances for the Metro. They're totally emblems of Paris now. He designed 141 Metro entrances and 86 still exist and they are now protected as Monument Historique, Historical Monuments of Paris. And H is for Baron Haussmann. Uh, we already mentioned him. He was born in 1809 and was an innovative and daring planner. He gave us, wait for it, the Gare de Lyon, Gare du Nord, Gare de l'Est, Léal, Hôtel Dieu Hospital, the Paris Opera, the Fontaine and Place Saint-Michel, the Rue de Rivoli, the Boulevard Raspail, Haussmann, Saint-Germain, Voltaire and countless others. Avenue des Gobelins, Rue Mouffetard, Rue Soufflot, Boulevard Malzerbe, Avenue Victor Hugo, Avenue Kléber, Avenue Georges V, it's not finished, 
The Bois de Boulogne, Bois de Vincennes, Parc des Buttes Chaumont, Parc Montsouris, Parc Monceau, Jardin du Luxembourg, The Grand Hôtel du Louvre, The Modern Champs-Élysées, The Père Lachaise Cemetery, where I was buried in 1891. Phew! So it's fair to say that Paris would look a tiny bit different without him. Wow, what a legacy. So, we're up to I. I is for the Hotel Royal des Invalides. My French accent is nowhere near as good as Ollie's, but I do try. It's perfect. It is not Jenny. an hotel, despite, <laughs> despite the name. It is not an hotel, but it was a shelter for poor or injured French soldiers who had fought for La France. And in fact, part of it still serves the role as a place for injured soldiers. It was commissioned by Louis XIV in 1670, and it is vast. And I mean vast. It is also home to the Army Museum the Museum of Relief Plans, you know, the, the maps that they would use for the military, and also the Order of the Liberation, and it has two churches. Plus, it is the last resting place of Napoleon Bonaparte. I once spent a whole day here, and I still didn't see everything. It's huge. Don't miss it if you go to Paris. For some reason, it gets left off the tourist list quite often, but it is absolutely astonishing and well worth visiting. Definitely. It's one of the main uh, monuments to visit in, in Paris. Yeah. Um, Jay now. Jay is for Jardin du Luxembourg, originally uh, created in 1612 by Queen Marie de Medici. The gardens have a lovely pond where children uh, sail wooden boats. There are about uh, 100 statues, 106 statues, and a beautiful fountain created in 1624. It's actually a great place to relax. It's here that you will find uh, the Palais du Luxembourg, now home to the French Senate. K is for kilometers, <laughs> which is a bit cheating, I know. But it also is relevant because if you come to Paris, I promise you, you will walk many kilometers and you won't care because there is just so much to see. It's very true, Janine. You need good shoes in Paris. And L is for Louvre. And again, visiting the Louvre means walking, walking and a bit of walking as well. We're talking about the former Royal Palace, which is now the biggest museum in the world and beyond, as I haven't found any bigger museum anywhere else in the universe yet. <laughs> you had to get it in, didn't you? You had to get that the Paris is the most popular country in the world and beyond. Do you think France is the most popular country in the universe? Yes. <laughs> what a question. Of course, <laughs> it is true. Uh, anyway, the Louvre has uh, 73,000 square meters of exhibition space. There is so much to see that if you only spend 10 seconds nonstop looking at each of the paintings, including the Mona Lisa and artifacts, it will still take one month to visit everything. Wow. Okay, M is for Moulin Rouge, the Red Mill, a cabaret near Montmartre in the Pigalle district, which was opened in 1889 and is famous for its can-can dancers. And here they are. Hey, hey! I love this music. I love that music too. You can't see me, but I'm actually kicking my legs up in the air in my office at the moment. It's <laughs> <laughs> not a good sight. M, moving swiftly on. M is also for Monet de Paris, the Paris Mint. It has one of the longest facades along the Seine River, and it houses the world's oldest money-producing institution. 
For over 1,150 years, the Monet de Paris has been making coins. First, it was on the Ile de la Cité, and then it moved all around various sites in Paris, including the Louvre Palace for a century or so, before moving to its current position, which is the Quai de Conté in 1775, where it is now an absolutely fascinating museum. And if you think, you know, show me the money, having real money is the only thing that's interesting about this place, it's not. It's fascinating and full of history and weird anecdotes and facts. So absolutely worth a visit. I agree. And the N is for Notre Dame. Ah, Notre Dame. The Cathedral of Notre Dame de Paris is a masterpiece of Gothic architecture. And until the terrible fire, it was one of the most visited monuments in France. It was built in the Middle Ages at the far end of the uh, Ile de la Cité. Work started in the 13th century and finished in the 15th century. Notre Dame was badly damaged during the French Revolution, but the cathedral was restored in the 19th century by the architect Viollet-le-Duc. And now, of course, being restored again, hopefully to be reopened to the public next year in 2024. And just a little extra tip, if you do go to Notre Dame, take a few more steps and visit the gorgeous Paris flower market. You'll find these lovely fragrant flower shops in centuries-old green kiosks. Absolutely lovely. But now on to O. O is for obelisk. And there is one in the Place de la Concorde, which is one of the most well-known traffic junctions in the world. The ancient Egyptian Luxor obelisk measures 22.5 meters in height and it weighs an estimated 227 tons and it sits in the center of the square. It was erected some 3,300 years ago by Ramses II, the pharaoh Ramses II. It was gifted to France by the vice king of Egypt in 1830. In return, King Louis-Philippe gave Egypt a large clock, which you can still see in the clock tower of the Citadel of Cairo. Anyway, the obelisk took three years to get to France by boat. You can imagine something that weighed 227 tonnes cannot have been an easy job, that one. And then it took three more years to get to its new home and be pulled up into position where hundreds of thousands of people lined up to watch it. A really good place to see it from is the Hôtel de la Marine reopened to the public, and they've got a great balcony with a great view over it. Oh, it's also for, which we cannot leave out, the Opera Nationale de Paris, a mini Versailles designed by Charles Garnier. It's absolutely stunning. It's gilded to within an inch of its life. And what I love best about it, I think one of the things, is the beautiful Chagall painted ceiling. It was completed by Marc Chagall in 1964, and it's a stunning work of art that hides a secret. Chagall told his son, who was just a little boy at the time, that he left a message for him in the painting, but his son could never find it. And it wasn't until 2016 when the Google Arts team created a massively powerful camera, which they used to capture images of the world's most amazing artworks. And they took photos of Chagall's ceiling at the opera and they invited his son to come and see it for himself because, you know, so the images are so clear and they can zoom in a really a long way. Anyway, he said that his dad had told him that he had painted him as a tiny baby in the ceiling. But you just cannot see it. It is so tiny, it can't be seen with the naked eye. So the Google team zoomed in all over the painting looking for it. it took them a while and incredibly, there it was. It's so tiny, like a pinprick, you know, but it was a really emotional moment for Chagall's son. He never thought he'd ever see it, but I just love that story that, we, you know, the amount of people that visit the opera and look up and they have no idea 
that there is this tiny little secret hidden up there. Wow. Yeah, it's a great story. And P is for uh, Pantheon, which was uh, originally built as a church dedicated to uh, Saint Geneviève. It's now a mausoleum for the great and the famous of France. Its facade is modeled on the Pantheon in Rome. There is a large crypt covering the whole surface of the building, in which are the vaults of some of the most famous French people and heroes, including uh, Victor Hugo, Émile Zola, Marie Curie, Louis Braille, and uh, of course... Uh, American-born Josephine Baker, who had the two loves, as you know, her country and Paris. Q is for Queen Marie Antoinette, one of the most famous characters in French history and whose footsteps can be followed in Paris and, of course, nearby Versailles, which is kind of in Paris, but not in the centre. The Queen's chocolate makers, they were called Solpice et Debove. I think that's how you say it in French. They are now called Debove et Galais. They are still going strong. She had to take some medicine once and it tasted horrible. So they made her some little chocolate pastels, like pistoles, they call them. And they hid her medicine in there and they still make it. And there is also Lubin Parfumerie. Pierre-Francois Lubin would take the Queen some of her favourite toiletries when she was in the conciergerie prison in Paris. So if you're a Queen Marie Antoinette fan, you can still find traces of her legacy in Paris. There's so much to see everywhere in Paris. Yeah. Um, R is for Rue Mouffetard, allegedly one of the oldest streets in Paris, and locals call it La Mouffe, like in Mouffetard, of course. You will find a lovely street market here and plenty of uh, picturesque buildings. Some say the word Mouffetard comes from the original Roman name of this road, Mont Cetardus, which refers to a hill close by, and also from Mouffette, which means skunk in French. The street was popular with animal skinners and horrible smells come from the process of skinning. Sunday afternoons in La Mouffe are lively as locals and visitors dance and join in the singing by uh, the Chapel of Saint-Médard in Saint-Médard Square. It is a lovely street, that is. Now we're up to S. S is for the Basilica of Sacré-Cœur, which is on top of a hill in Montmartre, where you get the most amazing views over the rooftops of Paris from there. Definitely one to see. And S is also for one that may be not quite so well known, Saint-Chapelle. It's a former chapel that is older than Notre Dame and absolutely beautiful. It was consecrated on April the 26th. 1248. I mean, that's just astonishing, isn't it? Has 15 stained glass windows. Each of them is 15 meters high and they depict an astonishing 1,113 scenes from the Old and New Testaments, which recount the history of the world up to that point. This must have been one of the wonders of the world at the time when it was built. Personally, I think it still is. When the sun shines through the windows, it's like where well, you actually feel like you're standing inside a jewel box. The chapel is deconsecrated now and hosts music performances in the evenings. And it's definitely in my top five favourite Paris visits, that one. And we're on to tea now. Tea is for Tertre. You know Tertre, La Place du Tertre in Montmartre, where you will see many artists painting or drawing caricatures of visitors. It's on all tourist guides in the world. And tea is also for tabac, short for uh, tobacconist. The oldest tabac in Paris is à La Civette, which opened in 1716, a year after King Louis XIV uh, died. It has been at uh, 157 Rue Saint-Honoré for 140 years. Wow. Just across from uh, the Louvre Museum and the Palais Royal. 
à la civette, had many famous 18th customers, including Benjamin Franklin, Voltaire, Denis Diderot and Jean-Jacques Rousseau. And very quickly, you is for Exposition Universelle, the original 19th century Exposition Universelle, or Paris World's Fair, showcased the best and latest innovations in agriculture, industry and art. V is for Vineyard. Did you know that there is a secret vineyard right in the centre of Paris? It's next to the lovely little museum of Montmartre where August Renoir once lived. Got a gorgeous little garden as well. So that both of those absolutely worth visiting. V is also for Place des Vosges. It's a, a little square of Parisian paradise and it's also one of the oldest squares in the city. It was commissioned by Henry IV, who had a royal pavilion built there in 1604. And he loved the design of his regal townhouse so much that he commissioned another 35 to surround the square. And it was called Place Royale in those days. It became the prototype for all subsequent residential squares throughout the whole cities of Europe because it is so inspiring. In 1800, Emperor Napoleon changed the name. So it was Place Royale and then it became Place de Vosges, First, because he could do it, you know, because he was emperor. And secondly, probably more importantly, it was to acknowledge that the Department of Vosges, which is in northeast France, actually paid their taxes. They apparently were the first department to do so. Everyone paid their taxes. Anyway, now it's a lovely place to relax and to stroll. It's like little avenues benches in a park and then it's surrounded by arcaded houses really really beautiful and you can also visit the house where victor hugo once lived at number six plus devotion i pay my taxes as well can i have a street or something in paris <laughs> yes you can ollie thank you you can have plus geoffrey there you go <laughs> thank you very much that sounds good actually <laughs> And W is for Avenue du Président Wilson. He was uh, the American president who promoted the idea of a League of Nations, which was the precursor to the uh, United Nations. So, worth an avenue. Absolutely. I think there's an Avenue du Président Wilson in pretty much every town I've ever been to, and rightly so. X is for... Uh, I give up. I can't think of anything. Extraordinary. <laughs> X is for extraordinary. Paris really is extraordinary, and I love... Ernest Hemingway's words about the city. He said, if you are lucky enough to have lived in Paris as a young man, then wherever you go for the rest of your life, it stays with you. For Paris is a movable feast. Y is for Yves Saint Laurent Museum, which is full of the great French designers' drawings and designs, jewelry and clothes, costumes for ballet, photos and works of art, and also his studio left exactly as it was when he worked here. Wow, we got to Z already. So Z is for Parc Zoologique de Paris, the Paris Zoo. There is actually another zoo in Paris called the Menagerie du Jardin des Plantes, which was founded in 1794 and homed animals that had been abandoned at Versailles after the French Revolution. So it's the second oldest zoological garden in the world. Smaller than the Paris Zoo, but very charming. Well, I've got to say, we've covered a lot of Paris, but there's still so much more to talk about when it comes to the City of Light. So I reckon Ollie will have to do another Paris episode. Yeah, two episodes or maybe more. But now it's time to answer a listener's question. Got a question about France? Well, ask the experts. We reply to you in each episode. And we do it for free. So what have we been asked this week, Janine? Well, in my newsletter this week, I revealed that I'm going to the Rouen Armada, which is an event held 
every four years in historic Rouen in Normandy. And it's where tall ships come from all around the world and they dock in port and there are 10 days of festivities. Thousands of sailors, sea shanties sung in the streets, concerts, performances, amazing event. Anyway, I'm going on the 8th of June, which is the day it starts this year, and I'm going to be sleeping aboard a tall ship. So I had loads and loads of people sending me questions asking if they could come with me. The answer is you can, but only on Instagram. Oh, where you'll find me at the good, <laughs> <laughs> on the Good Life France. But okay, that was the most popular question this week. But actually, we're going to answer. We're going to answer Lisa Stead of Glasgow's question, Scotland. She asked, "Is it true that Parisians are really rude?" Ollie, what do you think? Mais non, non, c'est pas vrai. <laughs> no, it's not true. Obviously not. I agree. Absolutely not true. <laughs> Paris is a city, uh, people are busy, and that's it really. They're going to work, rushing to the shops in their lunch break, trying to get home. So sometimes if you ask them to stop uh, as you have lost your way and ask for help, they might be in a rush and not have time to help. So it's just like any city, really. Parisians are not ruder than Londoners or New Yorkers. Actually, I think Parisians are a bit less rude than Londoners and New Yorkers, Boom. in my experience anyway. I find Parisians pretty friendly and helpful. I often get people offering to help me with my luggage when I'm going up and down the stairs on the metro. People show me the way. I think if you say s'il vous plaît and bonjour and you smile, you're going to be fine. So Lisa, do not be worried that if you visit Paris, you're going to meet a whole heap of rude people. You won't. A few maybe, but like anywhere. Paris is friendly. This is the Good Life France podcast. Oh la la, le podcast The Good Life France. Now, before I go, I want to give a big shout out to lovely Karen, who lives in Perth, Australia, and who I met last week at the Chateau de Goudain. She told me that she is an avid listener of the podcast and she shares us with everyone. So, Karen, thank you so much from me and Ollie. By the way, Ollie, she did confide to me that she likes listening to your silky tones mm. on this podcast. And if you want to know more about the Chateau de Goudain, pop to podcast episode nine, where we chatted to the lovely Karina Waters, who is preserving and restoring really the most beautiful castle I think I've ever seen. I will be writing about it, as I said, with heaps of photos in the autumn issue of the Good Life France magazine, which you can get free at magazine.thegoodlifefrance.com. Um, Janine, what's happening there? Are you really doing this? You're throwing out there that I have a fan and then that's it. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> I'd like to thank Karen very much for saying this. From now on, I'll make sure to take a bit of honey in warm water before each recording <sighs> so my voice stays perfect yeah. as she likes it. So Karen, okay. merci beaucoup. C'est très gentil. Voilà. <laughs> <laughs> Zut alors, Karen. That's all I'm going to say. Perhaps I should not have said that. I'll have to live with this now. Thank you so much for listening and a huge thank you to everyone sharing this podcast with friends and family. We are massively grateful for your support. We are. Thank you. But for now, it's au revoir from me. And goodbye from me. Speak to you soon. The Good Life France podcast. Available on all podcast platforms. On thegoodlifefrance.com and on parischanson.fr The most beautiful French songs of the 40s, 50s and 60s only on Paris Chanson. Available on your mobile, smart TV, computer and smart speaker 24-7. Visit parischanson.fr to find out more. That's P-A-R-I-S-C-H-A-N-S-O-N dot F-R. Ah!